Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, but Ali, this week we are doing something very, very different for a very, very good reason. John, we are, and the reason is the biggest show in the world has just landed on Binge, and finally on our screens after three and a half years, the universe of Game of Thrones is back, and... How can we fit any other shows into the podcast than just talking about that? Because we've got a lot to unpack in this episode. So for the next 10 weeks, while an episode of House of the Dragon drops every week, we are going to be joined by our friends from News.com and The Daily Telegraph. We've got J-Mo and Lex Cartwright, who cover entertainment so well, the biggest entertainment stories from around the world for their readers, the Game of Thrones fans. They've seen the first episode of House of the Dragon, and they'll be joining us here today as we get stuck into it. We're also going to get dinner party recommendations because it's always good to know what entertainment people love to watch. Where is duty? Where is sacrifice? Set 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones, the highly anticipated prequel series House of the Dragon, based on George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood, chronicles the turbulent history of the House of Targaryen. Episode one is streaming right now for you on Binge. Lexi, J-Mo, uh, three years on from the GOT finale, how are we feeling about returning to Westeros? And now that you guys have seen the first episode of House of the Dragon, how are you feeling? Okay, I feel like we need to start with... It very much feels like a continuation of Game of Thrones. So I was so excited, but I was like, is it going to be different? Is it going to feel different? It feels like the same universe, right? It feels like we're plunged back in there. They mentioned Daenerys Targaryen at the start. You're like, yes, we are back. Uh, the birth scene. I'm sorry. It's too soon to talk about the birth I, scene. I, I, think... I, I can't stop thinking about it. No, 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 let's talk about that later. I think I think just first, just in terms of the world, I was expecting it to be different in a, in, a, in the sense that three years is a long time in technology world. So I was expecting it to be even more spectacular and stuff, but they were very careful. The, the producers were very careful to keep it within that realm while still spectacular. So you've got dragons, more dragons, and, and I think it is is glossier this time. Mm. I feel like, yes, it's gritty. Yes, it's that world. You're, no doubt, you're left in no doubt that it is that time. It is glossier and you have come away. The other point is that I think, you know, a lot of people be angsty about whether or not they can just slip in if they haven't seen Game of Thrones. And you totally can, can't you? Absolutely. You don't have to watch Game of Thrones. And it doesn't really, no, it doesn't matter if it's too, but it doesn't even matter if it's a prequel or a proquel or whatever you call it, like it's before <laughs> or after, wherever you call it. Like it, it just sits in nicely as a standalone. So realistically, it could be 200 years later. It doesn't really matter. You just jump into that world. You feel, And yes, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you put all the pieces together and if you're like me, you're Googling everything yeah. and doing all that stuff as you're watching. But it is magnificent and I tell you, there will be no disappointment from fans. Diehards will love it. Newbies will love it. It is phenomenal. It is. And two things to pick up on that that I think is really um, helpful. You're back in King's Landing. You are 200 years before the events that were the universe of Game of Thrones and for the Targaryen family, they're at the peak of their 
of their rule and their dynasty. It's almost like being at the peak of the Roman Empire. So what was going on in this family? And there's almost a forward projection, as you would have seen in the first episode, for those that have watched it, to what will play out in the winter that will come um, in what is Game of Thrones. So you, there's that connection. But if you're not, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, the, one of the things I loved about this is it set it up really well. Mm-hmm. So it's about one family. There's a there's a big play, and we can get into kind of what happened in that storyline. But Game of Thrones, there are a lot of characters and you were kind of sometimes episodes going, who's this? This episode, I thought, set up what we're going to see across these 10 episodes. Absolutely. Really well. And you finish that first episode going, oh. And you know what I love? It's a winning formula. It's basically succession with dragons. (laughs) It's a dysfunctional family and it works. It works. And they've gone back to the place that they shot originally Game of Thrones at. So the King's Landing in that village, it's gone back, I think it's somewhere in Spain or Portugal. But again, it's at at, at, at its peak. So they've expanded the, you know, the amount of extras and the thousands of people that would have been on cast every day. And then, you know, the way the Red Keep and the castle. So you, yeah, you, there's familiarity. But again, if you have not watched Game of Thrones, we know there's lots of people that haven't. You can literally start watching this um, and just be in a new show and not feel like you're playing catch up at all. And I feel like Lexi and I have just been in LA where we interviewed all the cast. Oh, so lucky we you sat down with them. <laughs> it was we also, a good gig. We good sat gig. down with the creatives. We went to the world premiere. We can talk about them more in a bit. But the, uh, I think a really important takeaway from this series is not that Game of Thrones didn't look at the female, look at things through the female lens, but you know, you had Daenerys. She was the female. You had the queen. Mm-hmm. You had, you know, women were in it, but it was really much men were fighting the battles, I think. And in a different way, this is very much looking at the women's story at that time. And I think what we're going to see play out is a lot of discussion around gender and diversity and and roles that people play. And when we sat down with the the big head honcho producers, it was Ryan Condal and Miguel Spirochny. Oh, the they spoke about really clearly wanting to put the female lens in it, mm. yeah. and that, women, that that the battlefield at that time was set in fictional medieval King's Landing, whatever. But it's a medieval time, right? So it's rough, it's ready, it's fighting, it's blood. There's no apologies for that. Yeah. That was the br- reality of, the, of of life. Exactly, in medieval time. it's brutal. Women weren't treated like that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. It's we're not apologising for it. We're just saying this is what that world was. It is brutal. But as you saw in the first scene, the first episode, the women's battle is in the home, in the castle, in the, you know, depending on what level they are in the court. But it's a fascinating take. Obviously, you have Princess Rhaenyra, played by the Australian Millie Alcock, who is, you know, the unwanted daughter when the king really wants a son and the realisation that if he doesn't have a son, what is going to happen and who's going to be the heir? And it can't be a woman. Couldn't possibly And then you have generationally different aspects of that. Eve Best, who's an incredible actor who plays the the would-be queen. Yeah, who got overlooked previously. Overlooked. The queen that never was. The What's her character's was. name? It's a Princess... Rainus. Uh, yeah, Princess Rainus Valerion. So she, you know, dragon rider. She's, you know, capable, fierce, but sensible and all of that. And I just loved the subtlety that you felt with the women and the female characters in that. Eve Bess, I think, maybe said one line in the whole episode, yeah. but you could see in her eyes... 
so much. I want to talk about so her too because told. she's going to surprise us later. Yes, because she's, you know, it's, it's kind of that feminist storyline of a woman who has been rejected in the system mm. and has kind of been passed over and now she's going to see the next generation of women potentially get something that she doesn't. Is she going to help them? Mm. Or, or hinder them? I think that chip on her jealous, shoulder yeah. is going to make her do something explosive because yeah. when we see her in the first episode, she kind of, you can see that she's bitter, but she looks like she's getting on with it. She's accepting it, but I think she's going to she's gonna do I something she's gonna explosive help. later. I think she's going to be the mentor. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think it's fascinating, this this what And the other thing that really gets me, and, and everyone in every interview, the men and the women that we spoke to, and we spoke to all the cast, Paddy Considine, Emma Darcy, Olivia Cook, Matt Smith. Millie, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. <laughs> we'll do a Matt whole Smith. segment on him later. How much time do we have? They all spoke <laughs> about the gender the gender situation mm. and, 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 and how far we haven't come. You know, mm. that we're looking at this fictional world, but in 2022, you've got Roe v. Wade and all of these other, and I know this isn't a political podcast, but it is extraordinary and terrifying. They actually used words. Olivia Cook said it's terrifying and depressing mm. at what point the world is at right now. Well, I think it was Prince William when they had their firstborn, just before their firstborn was born, who was a boy in the end, Prince George. They didn't know he was going to be a boy and they changed the rule in the succession of the British royal family so that whoever was their firstborn, should it be a girl, would be, you know, the next monarch. So, And that was only like five or ten years ago oh or something. So it shows you the world we're in. And this is what's really interesting, isn't it? Because you think about Henry VIII, medieval times, you know, the role of the wife and the queen was to provide an heir. Um, this is a familiar story um, that we've seen play out in medieval tales. But I think your, your comment, Gemma, was bang on about the women's war is in the almost the labor war their life's work is to create children and maybe now it's time to talk Lex about one of the most controversial parts of the first episode mm. which is a birthing scene but just to put in context 50% of women died in childbirth in medieval times anyway like even well, in, a, in a straightforward you know not straightforward but in a normal situation Emma Darcy pointed rights. that out when we sat down with her she said that you knew when you were having a child that you could die. That yeah. was just the blunt realisation and it was a war. It was, you know, a, a, a blessing that you're pregnant but it was also a curse that you could, you know, could 50, as you said, 50 or 40% could die. Could die. And so what we see here is the Queen who has kind of, it's been her life's work to try and have an heir. She's had mm. a daughter, played by Millie Alcock, had a number of miscarriages as well. She thinks it's a boy. Her mm. and the King both think that she's having a son but the baby gets breached. And, of course, you're in a time where, a last-minute emergency caesarean isn't, you know, normal practice, but in theory the king makes the heart-wrenching decision that he's going to probably lose in a breach birth situation his wife anyway, mm. but has a chance to save the child. So it, Game of Thrones was famously gory, right? But I don't think I've ever seen a scene as gory as that birth scene. I was literally wincing. But it's funny because you, mm. you don't see the cutting of the flesh that much. It's just, to me, it was the impact of the way the blood came through on that bed at the end and the way you could see in the Queen's face when she knew what had to happen. And mm. it was just... It was just heart-wrenching, wasn't it? And the way he was saying, don't be frightened and I love you, but, like... And can you love someone, but, you know, he's also got a duty to the world. Rhaenyra, no queen has ever sat the Iron Throne. The king has an heir, Daemon Targaryen. I will not be made to choose between my brother and my daughter. War is afoot. Do you think the Ram will ever accept me as their queen? A woman would not inherit the Iron Throne. Because that is the order of things. When I'm queen, I will create a new order. John, what did you think? Like, you're quite new. We've talked in the past that you weren't um, 
a GOT fan first time round and you've been going back to watch it, but coming new into the franchise, what did you think of the first episode? Well, yeah, I think Lexi said it really well just before we actually started recording, was the first episode feels really focused. My sort of experience with Game of Thrones for you know, why I think people love it is it was sprawling. (laughs) So many characters, so many locations. I found House of the Dragon to be incredibly focused and you just fell straight in to the story and you knew exactly what was happening, which is why with my pop culture level of of Game of Thrones knowledge, everyone knows about Red Weddings and dragons, etc. But without knowing, you know, every detail of Game of Thrones, you can come into House of the Dragon and be absolutely absorbed. And to the scene that we were just discussing absolutely one of the most confronting things I've seen on television. So if you've not watched this episode yet, just go in with a, with a little warning. Or if you're heavily pregnant or about to have a baby, um, there'll be a point where you should go put your phone, pick up your phone or go make a cup of tea and come back in about three or four minutes. It goes for about four or five minutes. Yeah, it's brutal. I agree yeah. with Lexi. It was literally one of the most excruciatingly difficult scenes to well, watch, she, but uh, you're uh, compelling as well because it's mm. the... The, the question, can I just say with what you what you just said, Lexi and I had the privilege of seeing the film or the the episode twice. So we watched it before we went and did our interviews. We did our interviews with the cast at the hotel in LA and then we went to the world premiere and we sat through it in a cinema, which was extraordinary to see it in a cinema on the giant screen. Yeah. Um, that was scene amazing. would have been on a big screen. But what I'd like to say is that, Yes, it is focused, but there are so many little tidbits that I took away I missed in the first episode that I watched mm. the first time. So I actually missed heaps of things, actually. Like Just little tidbits, little nuances, little looks, little things like words. I, you know, somehow I'm a bit technologically not great, so I kind of missed, somehow I missed 30 seconds at the beginning. I must have, like, whatever. So that set up scene where they're like the decision about um, Princess. Oh, when Rainus is overlooked. Rainus yeah. is overlooked. I missed that completely. So That's when a good I saw shout. that. Yeah, because don't be looking at your phone when it first starts, because there's a bit of text on the screen that helps you understand. Mm the connection to Game of Thrones and where, what world you're being dropped in. And if you miss that, watch you'll it. be like, what's happened? But because of binge, watch it twice. Like yeah. I, I would, and I would actually watch it a third time, maybe even a fourth. Like I'm keen, I, I, and I don't say that lightly because I'm the sort of person that has a very short attention span, but this is a show that you will want to see again. And even that brutal scene, seeing it twice, it just... You know, you really—it's really thoughtful, yeah. and it's really considered. It's there for a reason. It's not just there because sometimes Game of Thrones was criticised that that you know lots Gratuitous. of sex scenes. Why or too much? You know, this this felt like, to your point, it's setting up the you know the challenges of both the sexes and even the, the night scene and the kind of aggression that's coming out with this sense in the men of there's no war. They're living in a peaceful time, but they're still primed for, for kind of for violence. One thing I think is clever, and I'm interested to know from your conversations with the with the with the creatives in LA, there is a lot of connective tissue to Game of Thrones. We we're saying before you don't have to have watched it, but there's going to be Easter eggs and other way, other things I think that play into how they're connected. Do they give you any insight of what we can expect over they the coming days? They, they are famously, you know, they do not give anything away. But we saw a bit of an Easter egg in, in the first episode at the very end there. I don't know how much we want to say, but when they talk about, you know, the winter that's coming, yes. the Targaryen must. I got so excited. That was, was so like, oh awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 I got chills yeah. at that point. So I think there'll be moments like that where we're like, oh, our, us diehard Game of Thrones fans are like, oh, it's all in the same family. Yeah, and then the connection as well, like, you know that Fabian Frankel, the the jousting knight who is only in it for a very small amount of time, you don't actually see his face because he's got his mask on, but you know that he is the Jon Snow sort of hot mm. character. Ooh, you know handsome. they set up a romance possibly between him and Princess 
Rhaenyra. I know that's not linking back to previous seasons, but you, it's familiar in that sense. You it get is, that that tone. Should we yeah, talk about the dragons? Oh my god! So gosh. I hear there's we we meet two or three in this episode, but we know that there's I think seventeen. Seventeen dragons, and that they are colourful, and they look different, and they grow, and they almost uh, more of a character and play a bigger role in House of the Dragon, hence the name, mm. than what we saw in Game of Thrones. What what did you guys think of what we saw in at one? I noticed um, Damon. So obviously Damon, played by Matt Smith, is kind of uh, Prince Damon. Prince Damon Targaryen oh, is respect. poised as uh, the villain, if you will. Um, and you'll notice his dragon at the end there when he flies off with his dragon is like red and it just looks a bit angry. So it feels like the dragons kind of match their riders, which was really exciting. And I know George R. R. Martin has talked about that, that he didn't feel the dragons in the original Game of Thrones kind of uh, replicated the ones he wrote about in his books. And he said that was something I brought to the table with this. I really wanted a focus on what the dragons looked like, how they acted, how they matched the characters. And judging by the first episode, especially, I love Damon's But that's where the technology comes in. The technology is better. Like, you know, while the... advanced. It was 10 years ago that Game of Thrones was Yeah, and so that that last scene of of Game of Thrones where everything was destroyed and the dragons were flying around was amazing and a lot of people have criticised this, that and the other and did people like it or not, doesn't matter. In this sense, the dragons are fully fledged, fully formed. They are characters in this story. We haven't got to know them yet. In Game of Thrones, they were very much just like they were beings, but they weren't characters. They were just there and they were throwing their flames out there and stuff. But this one, they were intrinsically linked. And that's why House Targaryen is so important because House Targaryen, it's like they've got the peroxide blonde hair. They are one and the same. And the king also says, and I don't know what the word is, but what makes us different from anyone else? The dragons. dragons. I want to touch on JMO's. <laughs> note about the final season of Game of Thrones just really quickly because obviously we (laughs) we cannot ignore the fact that there was a lot of criticism about that right Mm -hmm. but I think that House of the Dragon I think it's going to make a lot of sense why Daenerys went the way she did I agree because we're going back 200 years uh, you know when a Targaryen is born the gods flip a coin and it's going to make a lot of sense why Daenerys had that kind of brain at all costs yeah yeah yeah, exactly I agree 100% I think it's going to make a lot more sense I wrote an opinion piece about this on News.com on the weekend. Feel free to go read it. <laughs> but I think it will make a lot of sense. I think the Game of Thrones season eight, you know, was unfairly criticised. And when you explore Daenerys' ancestors and her family and you realise how kind of, you know, frankly messed up they are, mm-hmm. it does make a lot of sense why she went the way she did. You should go to Christmas at my place if you think the Targaryens <laughs> are messed up. Hey, Zeus, Christos, wow. Isn't that that's why people love this show as well? There's family drama, there's dynamics, there's human motivations. Park the gore, part the medieval, and you're just being dropped into any other family saga. And, and there's, there's, so interesting. But there's love and loyalty. There's breaching of that. There's, you know, it's you can love someone but also hate them. You can love someone and have a deep obligation that you need. To, you're still flesh and blood. Well, we like, see that between Viserys brother, and Damon, don't we? They've pr- got a really King complex Viserys and Prince Damon, if you don't <laughs> mind. Um, but you it's know, like clearly, I know him clearly they love. It, clearly they love each other, and you know, you'll forego or um, you'll over, overlook a certain thing. But what can what, what what do you need to pull people up on? What is okay? What's not okay? I don't know. It's it's fascinating. And guys, the king says, I'm not going to choose between my brother and my daughter, but ultimately at the end of the first episode, he, he does. He has to say who his heir apparent will be. But I also felt like the relationship between Millie Alcock's character, the princess, and her uncle, that they were kind of, they're going to be pitted against each other, but that they were a bit of a kindred spirit. Like she's, mm. he's a bit of a rebel. He's He's like Prince Harry. He's kind of not, 
seen as king-like in his poise, almost oh, yeah, living rogue. On, the, on the outside. He's the rogue of, brother, isn't he? And yeah. she's a bit the same. Like she's she's not rogue, but she's outside the system. She's a bit of an outcast. She's yeah. on, on the out, and so it almost feels like they, and they're both you know wonderfully clever and strong at riding dragons. I, I don't know. Almost, I think that's going to be really interesting. Like, what's that relationship? Because you're supposed to hate each other, but I felt like they had a quite a. Well, good he seems very fond of her, but I think as she gets older, that might change. But the story, I think, I, I can't see where Damon is going to fit in. Obviously, you know, he's a big part, but the story is very much pitting Alison and Renera against each other. Obviously, they start is, out. Is the, is Alison Hightower. King's, the hand daughter. of the king's daughter and Renera's best friend. That is what the story is going to be. And when we interviewed Olivia Cook and Emma Darcy, who play the older versions of the characters, they said that was a big reason why they wanted to come on board because they were told it was about these two characters. So was- should we explain that? Because people might have seen in the trailers and some of the promotion going around, like there's a lot of characters. You've effectively got the young princess and the young Alison and then... They're going to age up and then the characters will be swapped out for new actresses. But that will kind of happen during this one season. They've almost grown up together. They're not blood related, but they're almost like sisters. sisters. They're sisters. They're best friends. Yeah. With an innocence to them. And there's a really brutal scene in this first episode where Alison's womanhood, she's no longer a child where the father pushes her forward to go and mm. comfort the king. And, you know, they don't they do it beautifully without actually there's nothing brutal in it. It's mm. it's just what it's, we it's what's insinuated, what we you know, I think it's gorgeous. So that relationship is hugely important. But I also think while there's a lot about the women, I think fascinatingly, I don't agree with you guys that there's good and bad. I think that the king Viserys is is a good bloke. But I also think he's a bad bloke. Like, I, I think, you know, good people do bad things, bad people do good things. Mm. And I don't see Prince Damon as a bad dude. No. I think you will see... I think see, a lot of that you know, is in Matt's misbetrayal, though. He's but, really but, added a cheekiness to him where you're like, do I like him? I've never, met, I've never read the book, so I'm just going based on what I saw. But, you know, what's driving people? Is it your obligation to your people? Is it, you know, yeah. a level head? Is it whatever? Like, what gets the job done? I just don't know that it's as simple as someone being good or bad. Mm. Yeah. And I loved the tender moments. The men, you know, these brothers clearly love each other. Mm. You know, and that's a really beautiful thing to see in a medieval tale because men are normally seen as strong. And this, I think, has shown men to be strong and tender. I think that's a really good point. And the fact that the king wasn't kind of born to be... The bloodlines come to him through the scene that we see at the very beginning in terms of... The one I missed the first time I saw it. Yeah, the one you missed the first time you saw it. But would he have actually been a good king? Was he really... You know, he wasn't bred to be a king. He kind of got it put on him later in life. And I imagine that would have also put a wedge between the brothers. You know, they would have always been equals and, you know, that normal brotherly rivalry. But all of a sudden, to your point, Jamo, are you king first, brother first? And at the end of the day, when you're running an empire, I think you have to always be king first and we see him make some of those those calls in that first episode. There's so much going on and it's fascinating. And as we've just unpacked, gender roles, masculinity... Yeah, politics, family. all of these things, family. and the, it's all about power. But the thing for me that I find most interesting and that I took away is the connection between that, or the 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 fact that there is no difference between that time and now. Yeah, that yeah. just drives me my my head's blown. That must be why people love. I mean, John, television expert. Like you go into universes, and sometimes people have said to me, "Oh, this isn't really my thing. It's a bit violent, or I don't do fantasy." But it's just a setting for this family story to take place. But do we? 
do we like going back into times because we think that they're different but we realize <laughs> there's like some kind of human motivation yeah, well, and I think you referenced Succession at the start. Like, for me, this is Succession in the Crown with dragons, and both mm. of those stories are just family stories, mm. and as is this, as we've discussed. Before we wrap up, and without getting too spoilery, water cooler moments. This is the show we know people are going to be watching as soon as it comes out. Hopefully our listeners have watched. What do you think people are going to be talking about after this first Matt's episode? Matt sex scene. It's only about seven seconds, I counted, um, and I saw it twice. And we were in in the premiere with Matt Smith and I was just staring at him. Some people said he left the room before it. I had my Um, eagle eyes on him. I don't believe he he left the room. It'd be hard watching He's never done a sex scene, right? It's very... No, he did. He did in The Crown, didn't he? Not in this way. It's very, you know, medieval brothel sex. Mm. But... Oh, but I there's feel still like that's a tendiness what, between him and that, that woman, the brothel woman that he's having yeah, sex he's with. And I think he kind of repeat has sex with her too, doesn't he? She's he not does, just yes, like a one time. She's not a five by like she, Yeah, but I yeah. think there's like there is kind of like I mean, he is married, so I he's mean, cheating <laughs> on his princess with the brothel. No, lady, but she's but yeah. more than just some. Yeah. They, they are going to develop an alliance, yeah. but that's my water cooler moment. I'm very yeah, I think that I agree with you 100, percent and also the the birthing scene. I mean, that gives me chills just thinking about it now for so many reasons that we've already discussed the dream was clearer than a memory i consider the matter urgent that of your succession dreams didn't make us kings dragons did Awesome. Jamo, Lexi, before we let you go, Ali and I love to do our dinner party recommendations, shows that, we, shows that we're watching, shows that we've loved in the past that have meant a lot to us, whatever. This is by no means breaking news, but after watching something, you know, like House of the Dragon, generally every night when I get into bed, I put on Sex in the City. There is just something so calming and nostalgic about it. The it, it puts me to sleep. Yeah, That's a bit oh, crude. <laughs> it puts me to sleep. It's, I, I can't go past Sex in the City. I watch it every night. Oh, the Samantha scenes keep me awake. I am obsessed at the moment with the Binge and Foxtel series, The Twelve. I think it's incredible. I think the ensemble cast is just exquisite. For anyone that hasn't seen it, I implore you to, to watch it. It is the just... The final ep drops tomorrow. The final episode yep. drops tomorrow. And, I mean, I've ha- been having a few conversations, I think, with Lexi and someone else about this appointment viewing. It kind of annoys me in some ways, but then it also gives me something to look forward to. But I... I'm dying to see this final episode because I need to know what the twist is. Kate Mulvaney, I think, is one of the most gorgeous Australian actors that we've ever had come out of this country. But, look, Sam Neill, Marta Dusseldorp, Nagali Shaw, the young, pretty much unknown actor that's in there. Matt Nable. Brooke Satchwell, Matt Nable. Brooke Satchwell, I've never seen her in a role like this. And she's just extraordinary. Hamish Michael, isn't he married to Kate Kate Mulvaney? Mulvaney, yeah. And and he was at the premiere of House of Dragon. I was speaking to him. And he was wearing a a pin. Like, he he is a diehard. Fran, thank you for coming. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but I just have to say that it is, you know, thoughtful. It's provocative. It is a beautiful, beautiful piece of drama. Jamo, Lexi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for bringing your recommendations with Sex and the City and The Twelve. House of the Dragon, new episodes, as you mentioned, dropping weekly, 11am on Binge, and every episode, every episode of Game of Thrones and Sex and the City and The Twelve <laughs> is also streaming for you on Binge. You can, of course, find Binge on your favourite device. Um, my name is John Boehm, joined by Ali Herbert Burns. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this podcast is produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates, and we'll be back next week with more House of the Dragon, more Hot D. Woo! Woo! Did I cut it? <laughs> <laughs>